0: Good morning, and welcome to Simply Science. It's Saturday, February 3rd. On today's show, gene editing precisely repairs immune cells, and satellites pose a big threat to Earth, causing concern among scientists. Plus, a robot plane is set to map the mysteries of wild Antarctica. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Science. We start off with a groundbreaking development in genetic research. A team of researchers led by Klaus Rojewski from the Max Delbruck Center has used the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tool to correct hereditary genetic defects that cause an exaggerated immune response, potentially fatal in some cases. The findings, published in Science Immunology, focus on a rare immune system disease called familial hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis, or FHL. Michael, our correspondent for Simply Science, is here to delve into this development. Could you explain what FHL is and how it affects the
1: immune system? Certainly, David. Familial hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis, or FHL, is a severe disease of the immune system that typically affects infants and young children under 18 months. It's caused by various gene mutations that prevent cytotoxic T cells, a group of immune cells that kill virus-infected or altered cells from functioning normally. If a child with FHL contracts a virus, the cytotoxic T-cells can't eliminate the infected cells, leading to an out-of-control immune response, a cytokine storm, and an excessive inflammatory reaction that affects the entire organism. And how have doctors typically treated FHL? The current treatment approach involves a combination of chemotherapy, immunosuppression, and bone marrow transplantation. However, many children still succumb to the disease. This is why Professor Rajowski and his team have been exploring a new therapeutic strategy using the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tool. Can you tell us more about this new therapeutic strategy? The researchers use CRISPR-Cas9 to repair defective T cells in mice and two critically ill infants. The repaired cytotoxic T cells then function normally, leading to the recovery of the mice from hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. The team collected T-memory stem cells from the mice, used CRISPR-Cas9 to repair the defective gene in these cells, and then injected the corrected cells back into the mice. This quieted the immune response and alleviated the symptoms. And how does this apply to humans? The team tested the strategy using blood samples from two sick infants. They found that their gene repair technique was more precise than previous methods, and the T-cells were virtually unchanged after undergoing gene editing. The repaired T-memory cells were capable of a normal cytotoxic T-cell response. However, before this discovery can benefit patients, the team needs to resolve open questions and test the treatment concept in clinical trials. What are the potential limitations or concerns with this approach? One of the main concerns is the duration of the protective effect. Since T-memory stem cells remain in the body for a long time, the hope is that the therapy provides long-term or even permanent protection. However, this is still uncertain. It's also conceivable that patients could be treated with their repaired T cells repeatedly.
0: Thanks for those insights, Michael. From promising developments in medical science, we now turn to a new environmental concern. Sierra Solter, a plasma physics PhD student at the University of Iceland, suggests that the burgeoning number of satellites required for internet megaconstellations could have unforeseen consequences on Earth's magnetic field.
2: Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Bella. Can you tell us more about this concern? Certainly, David. Companies like SpaceX, Amazon, and OneWeb are launching a massive number of satellite constellations covering the planet. The satellite population has seen an unprecedented surge, with more launches in the past year than in the first three decades of space exploration. This escalation is largely attributed to SpaceX's Starlink project and similar initiatives aiming to provide global internet coverage. While these developments promise enhanced connectivity, they also raise significant environmental issues. What kind of environmental issues are we talking about here? These issues include light pollution, potential collisions in low Earth orbit, and impacts on the ozone layer. But Solter's study introduces a new concern the weakening of Earth's magnetic shield. She points out that the mass of deorbited satellite debris vastly exceeds the natural particulate matter in the magnetosphere. For instance, the remnants of a single second-generation Starlink satellite are seven million times heavier than the combined mass of particles in the Van Allen belts. What happens when satellites crash? In 2023, A NASA aircraft detected that 10% of stratospheric aerosols contained metals from disintegrating satellites. This indicates that the ablation zone, where satellites burn upon reentry, is already being altered. Solter's investigation revealed a significant increase in the Debye length in this region, a measure of electrical influence in conducting plasmas, hinting at potential changes in the magnetosphere's electrical properties.
0: What could be the implications of these findings?
2: The implications are profound. The conductive nature of the satellite debris could theoretically create a shielding effect around Earth, reducing the magnetic field outside this artificial shell to zero. Although this scenario is simplified, it raises the possibility that human activities are indeed modifying our planet's protective barrier against cosmic radiation and solar storms. What needs to be done to address this issue? As the space industry continues to grow, Solter emphasizes the urgent need for multidisciplinary studies to understand the full impact of conductive dust on the magnetosphere, the prospect of weakening Earth's magnetic field through the accumulation of satellite points to the delicate balance between technological advancement and environmental stewardship.
0: Thanks for that report, Bella. Speaking of scientific advancements, let's shift our focus to a team of scientists and engineers who have embarked on a mission to Antarctica to test a drone that could help forecast the impacts of climate change. This autonomous plane is set to map areas of the continent that have been inaccessible to researchers until now. The drone has already been tested in extreme weather conditions around Wales' highest peaks. Its primary task will be to survey the mountains under an ice sheet to predict the rate of ice melt and its contribution to global sea level rise. To discuss this further, we have our correspondent from Simply Science. Can you tell us more about the challenges researchers face in Antarctica and how this drone might help?
3: Certainly, David. Antarctica is a challenging environment for researchers due to its strong winds, below freezing temperatures, and sudden storms. Traditional crewed planes have limitations due to these harsh conditions and the need to transport pilots and large amounts of fuel. This drone developed by the British Antarctic Survey in collaboration with UK company Windracers, is designed to overcome these challenges. It can fly to remote areas without risking pilots' lab safety and can carry 100 kilograms of cargo up to 1,000 kilometers. It's also more environmentally friendly, using significantly less fuel than traditional planes. That's impressive.
0: Can you tell us more about the drone's capabilities and how it will be used in Antarctica?
3: The drone is equipped with instruments including radar and cameras. Its route is programmed in, and an engineer monitors the flight from a computer. In its first experiment, the drone will use radar to fire radio waves at an ice sheet. Some of these waves will penetrate the ice sheet, hit the ground at the base, and bounce back. The drone will then listen for these reflections and use them to map the shape of the land. This will help scientists understand the topography under the ice, which is crucial for predicting how quickly the ice will melt.
0: And what about the areas of Antarctica that are still unmapped? How will this drone help in that regard?
3: Large areas of Antarctica remain unmapped because they've been inaccessible. The drone's ability to reach these remote areas and its radar technology will help fill in these blanks on the map. The data it collects will be processed at the British Antarctic Survey headquarters in Cambridge and will feed into a model of the continent that shows the complex shape of the land under the ice. What impact will this have on our understanding of global sea level rise? Current models of global sea level rise from melting ice sheets have wide margins. With a better understanding of Antarctica's topography, scientists can make more accurate predictions. This will be crucial for future planning. In addition to mapping the land under the ice, the drone will also be used for surveys of marine life and environmentally sensitive areas.
0: That's certainly a significant development, and we'll be keeping an eye on the progress of this mission. Speaking of progress, let's shift our focus to the next generation of scientists and engineers. The Eastern Panhandle Science and Engineering Fair for elementary and middle school students took place recently at the Ranson Civic Center. Students from all over the area came to compete and share their hard work in various categories, including animal science, medical science, chemistry, and engineering. Here to discuss more about this event is our correspondent, James.
4: Can you tell us more about the fair and its purpose? Certainly, David. The fair is designed to challenge students to research and present on a scientific topic of their choice. It's not just about the science though, The fair also aims to help students develop important professional skills that will serve them in the future. The event is a collaborative effort with the fair director, Shane Price, working alongside his wife, Lisa Price, and many other judges, teachers and volunteers to bring it all together. It sounds like a lot of work goes into organising this event. Can you tell us more about the people behind it? Absolutely. Shane Price, the fair director, has been involved with the fair since he moved to Jefferson County in 2016. He's a teacher at Hedgeville High School and has a passion for science and for encouraging kids to engage with it. His wife, Lisa Price, also plays a significant role in the event. Many of the judges have been involved with the fair for a long time and their dedication allows the students to showcase their hard work. What happens to the students who win in their categories? The students who place first, second and third in their categories receive a special medal. But there's more for the first place winners. They earn a spot in the state Science and Engineering Fair in Charleston later this year. This gives them an opportunity to continue developing their skills at an even higher level. Why is this fair important, according to those who organise it? Lisa Price sums it up well. She says that the fair is important because it showcases the effort and talent of kids who are interested in science. It encourages that interest, which benefits everyone. The fair also gives students the opportunity to meet adults and professionals in the science field who can help them develop a future career in the field. It sounds like a great opportunity for these young scientists. How many projects were showcased at the fair? There were more than 130 different projects from eight different counties. It's a testament to the talent and potential of these young people, who may very well be the future of science. That's certainly encouraging. Thanks for the insights, James.
0: And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Science. We'll see you back here tomorrow.